This is Ye Old Dragons Library, the storytelling podcast. Each week, you'll hear a portion of a work in progress and have a chance to interact with the author and other readers on the author's blog, posing questions, answering questions from the author, and hopefully having a lot of fun. Are you ready? Let's begin. Episode 4 In the previous episode, Ash was revealed to be a girl. Justice C.R. Camwell decided since both girls were revealed to be liars, both of them would have to face punishment. He halted the inquiry to reconvene in two days when he would pass sentence on them. Immediately after the hearing, Ash was hurried out of the castle to protect her from servants of Lord Winston who might try to inflict punishment of their own on her. Lady Lena escorted Ash out to the cottage where she grew up with the other eleven children who were saved from the flood. At the end of episode three, Ash was just starting to have a very interesting conversation with Granny Phlox and with Hazel the Hedge Witch. Could someone be manipulating events? Granny said. She continued placidly working on opening the seed pods, dropping the dried contents into one basket, the empty pods into another, her hands and voice steady, calming. What am I? Ash asked. She clamped her mouth shut to keep from spilling the flood of questions she felt burning on her tongue. Was she a lost princess, perhaps? The stolen child of some centuries-old prophecy? Did the flood take place to kill her and prevent some prophecy of doom? Was she the child of a powerful enchanter? May have been an entire family of powerful enchanters, taken from her family to steal her magical heritage? A snort escaped her, and her face warmed as she wrapped reins tightly around her imagination. She was very glad she had held back from speaking. What ridiculous speculations. There's no knowing, pup, Granny said. And that's the problem. Hazel can't tell, and she's been studying you and the other pups since you came to live here. All that hazy potential is dangerous. It means you're open to being snagged and forced onto a path, your magic stolen, or warped into something evil, instead of the great good and wonder Atheosius intended when you were conceived. Hopefully, all of you need to be together to fulfill whatever that potential is. And as long as we keep you separated now that you're nearly grown, you're all safe. The problem is that the Justiciar is asking his questions and stirring up memories better left sleeping. He knows you came from Tippacy. He could be asking questions about all the boys, not just you, Hazel said. The more questions he asks, the more people remember and start talking, and the greater the chances that someone who's been looking for all of you for the last twelve years follows that trail of talk right back here. She plunked down on the stool, letting out an exhausted sigh. This is beyond my strength and the limits of my sight. Could we just run away? Ash asked after several long moments, when the only movement and sound came from Granny's fingers, smoothly, patiently working the seed pods and separating useful from waste. Running will tell everyone you've got something to hide, Hazel said, something to fear. If anyone comes looking, asking questions... You're more likely to be dismissed if you sit still and act like you've nothing to fear. She snorted. The time for running away was this morning before breakfast. Too late now. 
A rapping on the door startled Ash and Hazel. Granny didn't flinch in her steady movements. The door creaked open and Lena peered in. The hue and cry is starting up at the castle. Father is already accusing you of running away and stealing all the castle's silver. She held out her hand, beckoning. I'm sorry, but we better go back before they decide to clap you in chains or decide that you've just confessed. There's far too much I still need to tell you, Hazel muttered as Ash got up. Later, I need to work on dampening whatever magic the Dusticiar tries to use on you so it doesn't set off any alarms and draw the wrong kind of attention. She patted Ash's shoulder as the girl stepped around the table to hug Granny Flox. I'm sorry, Ash said. I should have come to visit more often. Never you worry, my dear, Granny said, and smiled, her blind gaze aimed over Ash's right shoulder. Just you remember what I taught you. Wash regularly, say your prayers, and keep your eyes open, and you'll do just fine. May Athiosius make it so, Hazel murmured, as Ash hurried to the door. Dunstan met them halfway back to the castle and led them around several outbuildings, through gaps in two walls and four hedges, so they came in through the back way and up an outside stairway hidden in a tangle of old ivy and grapevines. No one saw them coming in, and Ash thought that was a rather dangerous tactic. Wouldn't that give more weight to Lord Winston's accusation, or whoever had raised the hue and cry, that she was trying to run away and avoid her just punishment? She knew the hidden pathway they followed, because she and Dunstan and several older boys had found it, and built up portions of it to be easier and swifter to follow, and harder to detect. They ended up in the tower one floor down from Lady Charlotte's study. In moments, Dunstan saluted them and hurried down the stairs, while Lena and Ash went up. Ash never got a chance to ask why he hid her from the searchers. She had barely settled down at the table with Lady Charlotte, who put her to work copying the pages of the Psalter that had been salvaged when Gilbert the Seneschal came huffing and puffing and sweating through the door. My lady, I'm sorry to report... He stopped short. Or rather, his feet stopped short and the rest of his tall, gawky body tried to keep moving forward. His eyes bulged as they focused on Ash. Excuse me, my lady, but has the boy been here the whole time? What whole time is that? Lady Charlotte asked. She nodded to Ash. Very good. Your handwriting is fine enough to make me feel Malchus will demand you be assigned to help him from now on. Never mind, my lady. Gilbert wiped his sweaty face and nodded to them both. A lopsided, weary smile brightened his face as he turned and left. Lena waited until the slapping sounds of his big feet on the stone steps faded to nothing. Then she chuckled and came out from behind the screen painted with a pastoral scene, where she had taken refuge just moments before Gilbert arrived. The king's advisers could learn something from you, Aunt Charlotte. You didn't speak a word of falsehood, but by now Gilbert is already scolding a dozen servants, insisting Ash has been up here working with you the entire time. Thank you, milady, Ash said. She raised her hand just in time to keep from depositing a large, ugly blotch of ink, thanks to the trembling she couldn't quite repress. Hmm, yes, but how long will such tricks work before we're caught? We need to spend extra time in prayer until this whole ridiculous inquiry has ended. I truly hope Winston is so offended that he vows never to grace us with his presence ever again. Her tone hinted at boredom, not irritation or concern. Then Lady Charlotte winked, and one corner of her mouth twitched up before she bowed her head over her own copying work. That night, Ash discovered, to mix gratitude and discomfort, 
that she had been moved out of the long room where the younger servants slept. Justiciar Camwell, no doubt urged by Lord Winston, had decreed that to avoid further claims, false or otherwise, that she was trying to run away, she should sleep with a guard nearby. The most convenient arrangement for everyone was to clear out a storage room by the castle kitchens. It had no window to climb out, and she would have to go past the kitchens and two hallways where guards walked during the night watches, before she could reach a door or window out of the castle. Ash told herself to be grateful they didn't lock the door. The room smelled pleasantly of spices and beeswax and vinegar that had been stored there, and spilled on the flagstones of the floor over the years. Myrtle left three honey cakes under her pillow, completely negating her loud grumbles over the fuss of having to empty out the storage room to turn it into a sleeping room. The next day, Ash was excused from serving breakfast and sent to work in the kitchens until Lady Charlotte was ready to begin her day's work. Then she spent all her time in the tower room until long past the dinner hour, when Captain Reginald himself came to escort her to her lonely room. He said nothing to her, but his hand resting on her shoulder, giving the appearance of making sure she didn't flee, was gentle. Ash reflected that while she found great encouragement from this proof that many of Castle Fairhold's inhabitants were her friends, that encouragement wasn't great enough. Her fate still rested entirely in Justiciar Camwell's hands, and from all the remarks others had made, his sense of justice was strongly tainted by his personal inclinations. Early in the morning on the second day, Ash walked into the chapel by herself. Lady Charlotte, Lord Diggory, Lady Beatrice, and Lord Dunstan waited in the back of the room. Lord Winston and his daughters hadn't entered. Ash let herself hope, just for a moment, that the family had fled the castle during the night to avoid the humiliation of whatever quest Justiciar Camwell would inflict on Lathia. Then again, Camwell hadn't arrived either. What were her chances that he had decided this wasn't entertaining any longer and had left Castle Fairhold as well? As instructed, she said nothing. She bowed to her lord and ladies in the air and went to kneel on the right-hand bench facing the makeshift judgment bench. No one else was allowed in the room. However, she knew where all the spy holes were throughout the castle and imagined she could hear whispering and shuffling among the servants crowded together in the narrow passageways through the stone walls. Ash had thought long on what the justiciar had said about the people who wanted to testify against her as well as for her. She had never really thought anyone would resent her book-learning or other skills. She had always tried to offer her abilities to help others, simply because common sense, impressed on her by Granny Flocks and Lady Charlotte, said to make friends and not enemies. What good did it do anyone to refuse to help when she was able? The door creaked open, and by the heavy footsteps, the dragging of heavy cloth on the flagstones, she knew Justiciar Camwell had entered. Did she dare hope Lathia would be in trouble for not arriving on the hour as instructed? Well, that is telling, Camwell huffed, as he paused between the two benches and looked at the empty one, then at Ash. Are you ready to hear your tasks? What do you prefer to be called? Ash, sir, it's what I know. No, I meant, are you a maiden or a lad? Sir, I'm clearly a maiden. I'm starting to... Ash shrugged. To show so I've already been trying to figure out how to either hide it or... I'm sorry, sir, but could I think about this once I know what the task is? Well, at least you have some common sense. I expect you to do quite well. In what task exactly? Lady Charlotte rose and crossed to the bench and put her hand on Ash's shoulder. You said a quest? 
Indeed. Camwell turned with a furl of his robes and strode to the judgment bench. He sat down and held out his right hand, which clutched a small drawstring bag of moon-blue cloth netted with silver threads. A chill wrapped around Ash's throat and crawled up her scalp at the same time her two stars warmed. No stinging this time. Could she interpret that as a good sign? A promise rather than a warning? She inhaled and blinked in surprise at a flicker of silvery blue light across the cloth. Ah, interesting, Camwell said. You feel the presence of magic, do you? And how long have you had that particular interest in gifting? I don't know, sir. This is the first time this has ever happened, Ash said, after a moment of thought. Other than feeling something from the wards. She wasn't going to admit where in her anatomy she had felt the stinging. After all, she had no idea how prudish Camwell might be, if he would be offended by hearing her say bosoms or buttocks. Better to be even more prudish herself. We don't expose the younger servants to use of magic or defensive restraints, Lady Charlotte added, nodding at the bag. Not until they've gone through the first examinations, to determine if they have any special skills or potentials. Friar Ipswich brings out the three-part chords, which is usually the first touch of magic anyone in Fairhold has. Then we go from there. Indeed. Camwell's eyes narrowed as his gaze flicked back and forth from Lady Charlotte to Ash several times. I applaud your care for the commoners under your care, Lady and Lord. Now, let us see how you react once the shield has been lowered. He put the bag down on the table in front of him and tugged on the drawstrings. The light flashed across the bag as it fell open and revealed two rings that looked like a braid of silver, gold, and onyx. Ah, spirit rings, Friar Ipswich said. He leaned in through the doorway only far enough for his head to be visible. And more. Camwell's smile turned proud. Then his gaze shifted from Ipswich to the shadows in the corridor behind him. His lip curled in momentary disdain. Then he sat back and gestured with his free hand. Come in, at long last. Lord Winston and his daughters came in. Lena held her younger sister by her collar. There was a dark palm mark across Lathia's left cheek, and scratch marks on Lena's neck and a tear in the deep collar of her dress. Ash guessed that Lena had had to forcibly bring her sister to face Camwell. Lord Winston didn't look at either of his daughters. Lathia dragged her feet and resisted for a moment when Lena guided her to kneel on the bench. "'You! This is all your fault!' Lathia whispered, somehow managing to spit, even though there was only one sibilant in her words. "'Silence!' Camwell stood, bracing his arms on the table. He glowered at Lathia. "'Both of you are in the wrong, but you, Lady Lathia, make a mockery of the full meaning of the word lady. You shame your father.' And quite sadly, you destroy your chances of ever making a decent marriage, because every castle where you terrorize the servants has little reason to protect your reputation. Terrorize? Truly? How can you justify such a strong word, Lord Winston blurted, especially when it's just an innocent girl having some fun with her inferiors? They should feel flattered when she includes them in her fun. Ash felt Lady Charlotte stiffen standing taller, and the hand gripping her shoulder tightened. "'Such attitudes are a relic that should have been left in the Dark Ages,' Lord Diggory said. The temperature in the room dropped so quickly, Ash expected to see breath fog coming from everyone's mouths. "'I am highly disappointed in you, Winston. Did you learn nothing from the outbreak? From the enchantment invasions? 
As King Abrosian has declared, and the kings of ten surrounding kingdoms have agreed, along with the most powerful enchanters across the continent, if anyone can manipulate magic, then everyone is equal in potential and ability. People's worth is determined by their actions and what they do with what Athiosius has given them. Religious fanatic, Winston spat. Even worse, deluded by newfangled philosophies. When we were boys, no one would have doubted my daughter's word for a moment, and that boy would have been whipped for laying a hand on her. When in point of fact, no hand was laid on your daughter at all, Camwell said. It is the word of a lady against a nameless servant boy that isn't worth the dearth required to cover his grave. Ash is a girl, Dunstan said. Why can't you remember that? He would have said more, but Camwell silenced him with a shake of his head. Wrong on so very many accounts, the justicier sighed. Point of fact, there was no seduction. The only attacking was done by your daughter, not aimed at her. And this filthy servant gets by with no punishment at all, Winston wailed. Of course not. Both of them, when you take the charges down to the basics, are liars. Camwell gestured at the rings. Each of you, take a ring and put it on the heart-line finger of your right hands. Ash waited until Lathia got up, pouting, and stomped to the table and took her time choosing between the two rings. They were identical as far as Ash could tell, so why did it matter which one she chose? It's too big, Lathia whined as she stomped back to the bench. She held up her hand, showing the ring hanging loose on her finger. Then she squeaked as the ring shimmered and visibly shrank in a matter of moments. Ash stepped up and scooped up the second ring and slid it in place, just to get it over with and get her punishment started, so it would end as soon as possible. The rings will not come off until each of you has fulfilled your quest, Camwell said. They will record and reveal to me your progress and your actions. You will be required to answer questions from time to time, and you must answer them truthfully. In a sense, this quest is to teach you both to be truthful. Do you understand? Sir. Yes, sir, Ash whispered. Lathia dropped onto the bench, hiding her face in her hands, and burst into wailing tears. See here, Lord Winston said, rousing from his slump. How is this fair? How can you make the offense of this filthy servant equal with my daughter's harmless little... He hunched his shoulders, as if he could feel the glare Lord Diggory aimed at him from behind him. Yes, I must admit she was rather thoughtless, but she meant no harm. She's an innocent child. She's a vicious little snot who believes everyone has a duty to adore her, Lena said. She's convinced herself she's beautiful and desirable and no one can resist her. She's an embarrassment, father. And how would you know? Spending most of the year training or fighting or... or whatever it is you silly girls do when you pretend to be warriors. Pretend? Lena drew herself up tall and straight, and her father shrank, going pale under the force of the icy fury in her expression. She's the reason I stay away so long. She's the reason the last four suitors didn't stay beyond introductions. Lathia's wail rose in pitch and volume. Enough! Camwell slammed his hands down on the table. I will give the list of conditions that must be fulfilled, the requirements of the quest, and then I will leave this place. I recommend, Lord Winston, you show discretion and consideration, and you leave this place even more quickly. And you wait until Lady Charlotte invites you before you inflict your presence on her household again. He nodded to Lady Charlotte, who nodded to him, without a flicker of emotion in her expression. 
Camwell extended his thick, gnarled hand, and Ash saw a much larger version of their rings on his thumb. It glimmered, a faint greenish haze traveling along the silver band. Cease your false whimperings. Say nothing until I give you leave. Lathia went silent. She sat up, eyes wide and astonished, and, not surprisingly, dry, despite all the wails and sobs she had been emitting just seconds before. Who's the worst liar? Ash wondered. There are degrees of lies, and you have very few on your conscience, a whispery sort of wind-through-grain voice replied. Her ring throbbed slightly, and Ash thought she heard the voice in the back of her head, between her ears. However, yes, you must learn to be more truthful. If it is any comfort, I think this will be more an effort of being conscious of telling truths and falsehoods, rather than needing punishment and discipline and constantly being lectured. Hello, she thought. Ash knew it paid to always at least try to be polite. Are you the ring? Well, of course. Is that what spirit ring means? Are you a disembodied spirit? A ghost? We can discuss my origins and limitations and philosophical underpinnings later. The justiciar is ready to speak, and you really should listen, even though I am perfectly capable of reminding you of this day when necessary. Ash sat up and tried to ignore Lathia, who clutched at her throat and kept moving her mouth and making gasping sounds, as if by force of will she could regain her voice. You will search for magic. You will infiltrate four caverns. You will find reclusive magic users. You will learn and codify the proper rankings of power and their names. And this is most important. Camwell paused and looked back and forth between both girls. You will cross five borders in your travels before your sentence is fulfilled, but you will not cheat and try to cross the same border five times. Sir? Ash hunched her shoulders, expecting to be scolded. What do you mean by caverns? I leave that up to you. The terms are vague to give you flexibility and grant you the pleasure of adventuring. He chuckled, for a moment seeming to be somewhat jolly. Ash couldn't convince herself for a moment that he was being friendly and helpful with this question and the vague, flexible conditions. Camwell clenched his fist and waved it at her with the ring foremost, and another flash of green light on it. You have the means of understanding, and more important, learning. I leave the rest up to you. Learning, she thought. She caught her breath at a flash of what she thought, hoped, could be understanding. Ring? Are you supposed to teach me, along with keeping watch on how I fulfill the quest? Exactly. The wind and grain voice chuckled softly. And here's something to keep in mind. Camwell will be watching. That's the whole purpose of these quests, to entertain him. He was quite the world traveler in his youth. He's got a false leg hidden under those robes, so his travels are limited now. He sees the world through sending people on quests. So, do keep that in mind when you're talking to people and reacting to anything that happens to you along the way. He can't actually see me, can he? Such as when I'm bathing or... or other things? No, at least not all the time. I'll warn you if he does activate any kind of vision spell. He can't do it very often because it's draining enough keeping the listening and tracking spells going. Is that why the conditions of the quest are so vague? So we wander and he sees more of the world? Exactly. I do think I got the better part of the task this time around. We're going to have fun, I think. Ash certainly hoped so.
So, what do you think is going to happen in Episode 5? Ash has the terms of her quest. She has a friend and an advisor in the ring. And the possibility for Justiciar Camwell to spy on her whenever he feels like it. So, are you ready for Episode 5? Join us next week. And remember, check the blog for a chance to talk with other listeners. And ask any questions you might have. Who knows? I may give you an inside scoop on what's going to happen in Episode 5. Remember, the address is Michelle Levine, L-E-V-I-G-N-E dot blogspot dot com. I'm looking forward to Episode 5. I hope you are.